0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Healthcare's Missing Link, a podcast where we help you uncover those things that are missing from you having your best and most optimal health. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood, as always, and I am extremely delighted today to to bring a newfound friend and a colleague who I've followed and admired on Instagram and personally and professionally for a number of years, and I really appreciate her, Dr. Carrie Jones. She's a naturopath uh, from... um, the uh, Natural University of Natural Medicine in Portland, where she uh, lives and works, and I know that she's also the, um, she's board certified in the American Board of Naturopathic Endocrinology. She's the medical director of two large integrative clinics in Portland and the medical director of Precision Analytical, which actually does the Dutch test, something that we do a lot here. Um, She's an internationally recognized speaker, great teacher, great consultant, great educator. I have actually uh, heard her speak a number of times, and I can tell you she's a a wonderful communicator on the subject of hormones. So Dr. Carrie Jones, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. That was such a great introduction. I love it.
0: Well, I appreciate (laughs) it this, and I appreciate you, and um, our listeners are in for real treats day, because um, if there's one thing that gets discussed more in the world today than anything else in the world of medicine, it's, it's hormones, and there's all kinds of opinions, and uh, thoughts, and remedies, um, replacements, and all that, so let's just dive in, uh, you know, what are these hormones that we talk about? <laughs> important.
1: You know, it's so funny, and and I've told this story a few times, but may I want to say last year, maybe 2018, my mom said to me, and my mom is a huge fan, she supports everything I do, but she said to me, you know what, Carrie? I don't even know what hormones are, but I just I just <laughs> like listening to you and I was like, that's it. I failed. I have failed. My mom has no idea what a hormone is.
0: <laughs> well, so, a lot of people don't, you know. They yeah. think it, they think it's a thing, you know, we try to communicate something different. So, yeah. just unravel that for all of us.
1: What is a hormone? So, a hormone is basically just a messenger. It is basically just a messenger. It gets released from a gland in our body we have you know, we have thyroid gland we have adrenal gland ovaries testicles whatever pancreas whatever it is and so it releases the hormone which is the messenger and that messenger goes out and binds to receptors and tells it to do things so maybe it's telling it to um, you know to ovulate maybe it's telling it to um, make, make something thicker maybe it's telling it to make something thinner maybe it's telling it to like give energy or release glucose or you know whatever it is and so they're basically just little keys little messengers that get sent out to turn mostly to turn things on
0: (laughs) to do the thing uh, that's what
1: i say to do the thing that their job is to do the thing
0: sounds like a bunch of emails yeah Uh, Yeah. or
1: text messages right you know when you text somebody to do something it's it's the hormone is the communication in between and then that person goes and does the thing
0: well, talk about the you know when an uh, email is sent or a messenger is sent, it has to get to a receptor. Um, are there uh, different levels of sensitivities with the receptor?
1: Yeah, which is what a lot of people can experience for sure. Um, there are things that can get in the way of a receptor that can block a receptor. Your own cell. Um, we have receptors, so think of like a lock, you know, lock and key, right? Mm-hmm. And so your cells, depending where it is and what the receptor is they have all these like locks ready for keys to fit into them but your cells can be really in smart smart intelligent and they can be decide to change your lock or they can decide to cover up your lock completely so you don't even have access to it anymore or it can do the opposite it can put a whole bunch of locks out like please please pick me pick me you know like fit in my key my or fit in my lock and let's let's do this and well, so determines all
0: that, you know
1: diet is a big one yeah <laughs> Diet, yep. lifestyle, stress, chemical exposure, the supplements and hormones you're already taking or maybe not already taking, deficiencies you have, genomics. There's yep. a lot that goes into deciding what happens, one, with the hormone, and two, with these receptors.
0: So, you know, these hormones, they're sent, but how, how are they made? I mean, that's, that gets yes. confusing. How are yes. they made?
1: The million-dollar question. So, it starts yep. with the brain. So, I always joke, it starts with the brain, <laughs> and it ends in the mitochondria. Well, it mostly ends in the mitochondria. So yeah. the brain the, is the, the, the Oz, right? It's, it's the Oz behind the curtain that makes yep. pulls the levers and pushes the buttons and decides this is what hormone we're going to make. And it sends a, it sends a hormone. It sends an email down to a gland. And then that gland subsequently sends an email out as well. So brain health is super important. Oxygenation mm-hmm. to our brain is important. Blood flow to our brain is important. Brain mm-hmm. nutrients are important. But then when when the email gets to the cell, what happens is everything starts in what are called the mitochondria. We all learned about our mitochondria in high school. There are cellular powerhouses, right? We think about like, oh, those make energy. That's what I learned. They do, but they're also the very first step to how we make our male and our female and our stress hormones like cortisol. And so if our mitochondria aren't doing that well, they're very sensitive little organelles. They're, they react very unkindly to things like chemicals, but they really like things like cold water and they really like red light therapy and they really like exercise and they really like being oxygenated. So they don't like it when you snore and they don't like it when you have sleep apnea and they don't like when you breathe with your mouth open, but they like when you have good quality sleep and they like when you lift weights and they like when you you know, get full sp- full sun exposure, or maybe some of you are into red light exposure Mm -hmm. and that's what can really help our mitochondria.
0: That's kind of cool. So, you know, like, um, take us through, you know, here's a a lady, you Mm -hmm. know, how, how are her hormones made? Versus how are a males hormone? I'm, I'm primarily talking about maybe the the sex with hormones and the stress hormones.
1: Yeah. So with women, let's say let's say testosterone. So both men and women make testosterone. Women make testosterone in three different places. We make it in our ovaries, believe it or not. We make it in our adrenal glands, and we actually can make it in our fat tissue. Mm-hmm. Men primarily make testosterone in one place. One, they make it in their testicles. That's where they make it. So while it's the same hormone, it's three different locations in women that we have to focus on, and really only one when it comes to men. Now, with cortisol, one of our big stress hormones, we make it the same way. Thankfully, that part's easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we start with the brain, and then we go down to the adrenal glands, which are the two glands. They sit on top of our kidneys, Mm -hmm. and they then make cortisol, or they make adrenaline, which is known Mm -hmm. as epinephrine or norepinephrine, which is noradrenaline. DHEA. So they make those hormones as well. And that's where it becomes really um, when we're treating men and women, it's really important to know this because with cortisol, the physiology, the how is the same, but with testosterone, it's not. Mm -hmm. We have to address it a little bit differently, male to female.
0: Now, what part, and I know the answer, but I just want people to get this. What part does cholesterol play in all this?
1: huge with our they're called steroid hormones so our testosterone our estrogen our progesterone our cortisol they're all called steroid hormones and they're called steroid hormones because cholesterol is what's known as the backbone so it's the very first step into creating a hormone so when the brain tells let's say the, the brain tells the testicles hey make testosterone for this man so in the mitochondria your body says all right takes cholesterol and converts it into something called pregnenolone. That's the first step. And so for those men and women who have maybe very low cholesterol, maybe they're on cholesterol suppressing medications as an example, and -hmm. it's too suppressed, they oftentimes have really low hormone because they don't have the first step. They don't have the backbone. They don't have the first ingredient to bake this hormone cake Mm -hmm. to even get started. And so cholesterol is important. now. My next question I'm always asked is, well, I have high cholesterol. Will I make, will I make more hormones? No, <laughs> you won't. It's a rate-limited step. The body controls it very tightly. So, so if you have more cholesterol than the average bear, it doesn't mean you're going to make more testosterone or more estrogen. It is very controlled.
0: So you could have, you could push it too low, mechanically yes. speaking. Yes, yep. Or if it gets too high, it could be too high. But there is a rate-limiting step in there, correct?
1: Yes, correct. Correct.
0: Yep. the The word that we hear all the time is this word called balance. I mean, I I hear (laughs) the word balance, and I'm thinking, what does that mean? Right. You know, in that context of hormone balancing, what is that, Doctor Jones? You're the expert. Can (laughs) we can we do this thing? Is there such a thing as hormone balance?
1: Right. Well, everyone assumes balance means it's a straight line. No ups and downs all the time oh. but what we know with cortisol is a great example Cortisol goes up in the morning and down at night it's our it's called our circadian rhythm. It should do this it does it for a purpose it's very healthy it's a healthy rhythm. So when we're talking cortisol balance or stress balance, Balance really means do you go up in the morning so you have energy and you're motivated and you can get out of bed and then down at night so you can go to sleep and unwind and feel, you know, rested and relaxed. So you still have a rhythm, it's just does it follow the the right rhythm? Mm-hmm. For women, we women are like, I am, I, I, my hormones are out of whack, right? My hormones are out of balance. I need my hormones in balance. Women follow most women follow a rhythm as well. Our our cycle changes. Um, our hormones change almost every day of our cycle, but it's there's a um, a very you know classic rhythm that we follow as women. So balance really just means are we following our natural rhythm that we're supposed to follow. Once a woman hits menopause, then her estrogen and progesterone does dip down. Then it is kind of more of a low flat line, and mm-hmm. it does. So then balance is a little bit different for a menopausal woman. So when we say balance, I'm like, well, you don't mean you don't mean flatline. There is a heartbeat to all of this. Like we just need a healthy heartbeat to all this rhythm.
0: That's good. So so I guess imbalance would be maybe analogous with disrhythm or out of or- yes
1: yes. And a lot of people feel that they'll say that maybe they're listening to this right now and they're like, ooh, but I'm tired in the morning yep. and wired at night. I'm like, you have a flipped rhythm, yep. right? You're supposed to be awake assuming you don't work the night shift assuming you work a day shift you're supposed to be up in the morning and if you're not if you're super tired exhausted not written now you need four cups of coffee then we're saying you're out of balance your rhythm is not following the natural rhythm it's supposed to
0: no this is not coffee folks this is a, <laughs> a cup of nice green tea it just sounded good this afternoon yeah,
1: absolutely uh- i agree i can't drink coffee i have the genetic snip that um Caffeine is really t- coffee. Caffeine is really yep. tough for me. It makes my heart race, but I can do green tea.
0: So you are slow metabolizer. I am a
1: slow metabolizer. Yes, yes. Well,
0: so you know hormones. Um, hear, hear, we hear this all the time, and I'm going to check my hormones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. How how do I check those? There's multiple different ways to uh, analyze that. Take us through that process.
1: And uh, it depends. One male, female. And it depends um, for females, like where you are in your cycle. So this Mm -hmm. is where it gets a little tricky. With hormones, even with cortisol, um, my, my biggest pet peeve, and it's not against the people who bring me the results, it's their practitioner who ordered it. So my biggest pet peeve is when I say, oh, thank you for bringing me your hormones, your hormone test. When, where were you in your cycle when you got this tested? And they go, I don't know. It was, you know, Tuesday at two o'clock. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> that doesn't help me. Or for men, men will bring you their testosterone and I'll say, it's it's date stamped here that you got your blood drawn at noon. And they're like, well, yeah, it was my lunchtime. So I went and got my blood drawn I'm like, Ooh, testosterone and men, we, we want to, we want to do early in the morning because that's mm-hmm. when men get their peak. Right. So we want to follow these natural rhythms. So when it comes to cortisol, I am totally biased, of course, I work for Dutch test. And so we do it throughout the day. We test the cortisol four, if not five times throughout the day, because I'm looking for that rhythm. I'm looking, Mm -hmm. are you up in the morning, down at night? So I don't do just one cortisol, I do, and they're all at home tests, it's very easy, it's not a blood draw. Um, And then for for female stuff, estrogen, progesterone, we wanna check at a specific part of her cycle, specifically Mm -hmm. five to seven days after ovulation. So for most women, that's around days like 19 or 20 or 21 of her cycle, if day one of her cycle is the first day she starts bleeding. If she's menopausal, she can test any day because she doesn't follow a rhythm like that anymore. With men, men don't have to choose a particular day because men don't have a menstrual cycle. But I do tell men to pick a typical day. I want to know them on a typical day, not on vacation. And with testosterone in particular, I want it in the morning. So depending on your lab, most of the time I'm telling men to get there, um, before 9 AM, even mm-hmm. before 8 AM is ideal. I'm like if your lab opens at 6 30, try to be there by between 6 30 and seven. And let's see what your testosterone looks like in the morning when you're supposed to get, have the natural rise then.
0: All right, so you're you're going to test cortisol, obviously, multiple times to get the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, men would be before nine a.m. Yep. Uh And women, about day 19, if they start bleeding on day one, then postmenopausal it doesn't matter.
1: Yep, exactly. Which is, I, it's a, which is, you know, I have a lot of people go, "Wow, that's really confusing." I'm like, "I know, but they're hormones and they follow a rhythm." So I want to, I don't want to waste your money, and I want to get it right so we know what we're looking at.
0: Well, that makes sense because it's apples to apples, isn't it? Otherwise, yes. it's yeah. it's apples to m- multiple different fruits. It's not a comparison. Well, yes. one question I've had, and, and I don't know the answer. I, I think I do, but uh, clarify it. What about a male or female? If they exercise uh, around the area of the, uh, the testosterone or hormone uh, sort of a draw or whatever, does that make a difference?
1: It does. It can. Absolutely. And so in that decision, I tell either the practitioner ordering or the patient themselves, I'll say, what do you want to see? Do you want to see your results um, post-exercise? Then exercise. And if you want to know what you are baseline, don't oh. exercise before you do the test. And and then that way you'll, and then you'll know. And it's the same for things like people go, uh, caffeine. Caffeine's a yep. great example. Carrie, I take, I drink a cup of coffee every single morning. Does that mean I shouldn't do it on the day of testing? I'm like, well, if you do it every morning of your life and you don't miss a day, then you should probably do it the day of testing and let's see what you what you're like on caffeine. Um, and other people are like, you know what? No, I'm going to stop a couple of days and get my baseline. I don't care what you you know is a as a medical director of a lab. The lab doesn't care what you do as long as you know what you're looking for.
0: So you're looking for a, a consistency yes. with which. Every sort of um, variable, you're trying yes. to make those as consistent as possible so you can make sure the, the yeah. readings give you what you're, you're actually interpreting, I guess. Yeah,
1: exactly. And even sometimes people will say, well, I don't normally work out in the morning, but I would like to start and I would like to know the impact on my cortisol. The only I mean, way to know it is to, is to try. You would have to work out and then test your cortisol and then let's see what you look like. Um, it's, we, I, can't, I, I mean, I'm good, but I'm not like crystal ball good. So we do have to yeah. test to see.
0: Well, and, you know, speaking of testing, I mean, and I've heard you speak many times and and I realize, I appreciate what you said about working for precision analytical and Dutch testing. It's great. But, but nonetheless, even though you, you there, you, you've always came across with a balanced approach to me, you know, and say, this is a plus, this is mm-hmm. a minus, this and all that. So what's the best way to test for hormones and why?
1: So a lot of people are familiar with blood draw, right? Everyone's gone and gotten their blood drawn at some point, And that is an, a very valid way to get your, your basics. You're, if you're like, Carrie, I just want to look at my thyroid, A man says, I want to look at my testosterone. A woman says, I just want to know where I'm at with my progesterone or my estrogen. Go get your blood drawn. Totally fine. You'll get that snapshot in the moment. So then what happened was um, saliva testing was introduced. And the Mm -hmm. reason saliva testing, where you spit in a tube for science, um, was because it's easy. It's It's not a poke. It's not a blood draw. You could do it at home. And it allowed for multiple collections in the day, cortisol being the biggest thing. So it became a super easy test. Then came urine testing, which is, is who I work for, and we do what's called dried urine testing. So you urinate on these pieces of filter paper, let them dry, and then mail them back. Again, at home, easy to do, not a blood draw. The, the addition of the urine testing gives you what are known as metabolites, which is basically just a fancy word for when you have a hormone and it converts down a pathway it turns into something else and that something else that metabolites sometimes are good and sometimes they're not so good and so mm-hmm. having the urine testing gives me some of that extra information like testosterone is a great example a man mm-hmm. says i'm having or a woman says both of them say i'm having cystic acne and yep. i'm having i'm losing hair mm-hmm. and i'll say well your testosterone is going down the pathway that causes those symptoms so let's get you off the pathway Unfortunately, the pathways um, we don't see that in saliva. It's mm-hmm. a little harder to see in blood, and so easier to see in urine. So it kind of just is a little more comprehensive in urine. Same for estrogen. A woman says, "I want to prevent or minimize what I can, maybe for breast cancer."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In blood, I can run her estrogen. In saliva, I can run her estrogen. In urine, I can run her estrogen. But in urine. I also get the pathways and with those Mm. pathways I get a little extra information to go oh no you're going down a pathway that's not so good for breast health or I'll go oh my gosh you're going down the healthy pathway this is great yay breast health
0: so when you talk about this, I, I want you to go into the pathways a little bit because our listeners are pretty familiar. So mm-hmm. if a lady or a man is having, uh, you know, the, the the acne or maybe her system, something like that, what is that pathway? And, and obviously you're talking about testing it with urine and, and maybe, um, you know, what would one see in a, in a classic urine test with that? And then how would they potentially, I mean, give all the possibilities, remedy that or deal with it?
1: Yeah. So the enzyme is called 5-alpha reductase. 5-alpha reductase takes those androgens and converts them into things like 5-alpha DHT, Mm -hmm. dihydrotestosterone, um, androsterone, Mm -hmm. uh, which is another slightly androgenic uh, metabolite. And so we get to see if you you really favor those um, numbers on the Dutch test, then I'm like, oh my gosh, and you have male pattern baldness or hirsutism, or, and you have cystic acne, and you're kind of angry and irritated, then we need to do something to get you off this pathway. Now, you meta, or excuse me, genetically may choose this pathway, Mm. but things like inflammation and things like insulin resistance, so high insulin, uh, high stress, will push this pathway as well. It's not fair, it's not fun, it's just what happens. And so if we can address the cause, like, oh my gosh, it's insulin, let's address it. It's, it's inflammation from whatever infection or foods or what have you. Um, it's high stress, let's address that. So we can always address the cause first, but then we can support it herbally with what we call 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. How do we mm-hmm. inhibit the pathway, right? So we're looking at things like saw palmetto mm-hmm. and stinging nettle root um, green tea. EGCG and green tea is a good one. Reishi mushroom is probably one of the best. Um, pygium, pygium africanum is, not many people have heard of it, but it's, you'll see it mixed in formulas. And I joke, a lot of these mixtures have the word prostate in front of them. Prostate blend, you know, and then women freak out. Women are like, but I don't have a prostate. I'm like, yeah. I know, I just need the herbs and the, you know, the reishi mushroom inside.
0: You know? <laughs> so will they help with men too? The same? They help
1: with, absolutely. It's same, same, same dose, same stuff for males or, uh, or females. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, ladies here and 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 talk about the different metabolites of the uh, estrone, estriol, or estrone yeah. and uh, estradiol. Yeah. And where they go? You, you mentioned a bad pathway. What, what is that? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, so estrogen goes through three phases of detoxification. So the common ones that are tested, um, one is called hydroxylation, and then the other is called methylation. And so um, when you have estrogen, the most potent estrogen in the body is called estradiol, E2. And then estrone is E1, which is another big one. Um, and then we have E3, estriol. Now, estriol, uh, unfortunately it gets a bad, it gets, it's a good estrogen to have, but I believe it or not, Wikipedia calls it a metabolic end product or trash product or something. And I'm like, no, we need, we need estriol, but But it really is a dead end estrogen. Like once you make estriol, then it it gets eliminated out of the body. So the first two E1 and E2, uh, estrone and estradiol, they go through phase one detoxification and they have three pathways it can choose from. It can go down a two pathway, like the number two, four pathway or 16 pathway. And it's called, a, it's called the hydroxylation pathway. So it's two hydroxy, four hydroxy or 16 hydroxy. Now the two hydroxy is what's considered the less carcinogenic. It's the one that's preferred. It's not no carcinogenic. It is less carcinogenic. The four pathway is more carcinogenic. That's the one that can increase the risk for DNA damage. We don't mm-hmm. like that. The 16 pathway is what we call the proliferative pathway. It's estrogenic. It makes things grow. So it's good for bones, maybe not good for breast health, maybe not good for the woman who says, I get clots in heavy periods. Mm-hmm. My breasts get big and tender at PMS time. Mm-hmm. The 16 can make that worse. Now that's all phase one detox. Then all of that has to keep going. And so it goes through phase two detox and it's known as methylation. And it's where that hydroxy... Basically, gets neutralized into a what's called a methoxy, and it becomes water soluble. Why is it water soluble? So you can get rid of it. <laughs> it can go out in the water, or it can go out, you know, out in the toilet. And so that requires a, a particular gene, known as COMT, COMT, and COMT makes the enzyme, same name, COMT. So the COMT enzyme is what does that magic. There are a lot of cofactors around COMT. Like B12 is really important. Folate is really important. Zinc is really important. Choline is really important. Um, Glycine is really important. And so methionine is important. So all of these nutrients are really important to help make that estrogen go through that pathway. Then the third and final pathway is now it's literally ready to be excreted. So think Mm -hmm. about the health of your kidneys and are you hydrated? And think of the health of your intestines, your microbiome. And so if you have... Gas or bloating, or you know, inflammation, constipation, Mm -hmm. all that can affect your estrogen. That estrogen that's trying to leave accidentally gets reabsorbed and you know, circulates back around again and might cause problems. Mm
0: -hmm. So, when I
1: explain all this to people, I have the same analogy I use every time think of your bathtub and think of it linked to your sewer line. So phase one detoxification is the water coming into your bathtub. Is your water coming in fast? Is your water coming in slow? Is it, what kind of water is it? Is it two water, four water, 16 water? Then you have to get rid of the water. So you open the drain. The drain is your COMT or COMT. Is your drain open? Is your drain clogged like mine, full of long blonde hair? (laughs) Is your drain, you know, open, but not open wide enough. And then you go through the sewer line out, you know, into the, into the, out into the world. And that's your, basically your intestines, right? Your sewer line out. And so is your sewer line clogged? Is it blocked? Is it inflamed? Does it have a crack in it? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in your body. So we're just trying to do things to better these different phases so that estrogen can go out. And the cool thing is we can test them. So when Mm -hmm. women say, where is the problem? I'll go, well, let's test and I can tell you. And then we can like fix it with diet and lifestyle and hydration, herbs and nutrients and really work on that way.
0: So things are going down the the four pathway. And I know that really cool. The Dutch test, there's percentages that are based upon average, which is neat. You know, that it's just a really well let out report. We'll actually put a a mock report in the, in the feed below this so people can click on that. I think that'd be very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, You mentioned if it's going down the fourth pathway, that could be potentially carcinogenic. Can that be fixed? Can you get it off of there?
1: Yes. Yeah, you can definitely for sure. Now, thankfully your body is intelligent and your body has two stop gaps to try to get it to go back the other way. And so these stop gaps are no, we've enzymes. And so one of your enzymes has a lot to do around your glutathione, right? Mm-hmm. Your big potent antioxidant or N-acetylcysteine is helpful here. The other enzyme has a lot to do with um, like sulforaphane, which is in broccoli sprouts, and yep. so we, there are definite, you know, high antioxidant support that we can do to help you turn tail and get off this pathway so that you don't cause or minimize, let's say any kind of DNA damage.
0: What's the time frame that you've seen in general, if people just, you know, comply with what you're telling them to move it off that pathway and actually see measurable progress.
1: So when it comes to the phase one point, so the phase one, um, with the two, four sixteen. There's, we talk about the bro- the uh, cruciferous vegetables, the broccoli, the kale, the cauliflower, the Brussels sprouts, mm. they contain an ingredient in it called indole 3 carbonyl I3C, and when that hits your stomach acid, it converts into a lot of things, but a big thing is called DIM methane D-I-M. Mm. So I've seen it in this fast, and, and maybe it's just because we tested it two weeks, and so what DIM does, or indole 3 carbonyl does, is it will shift. It'll shift your pathway from the four and the 16 over to the two. And we did a before and after in two weeks. And in two weeks, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was amazing how fast it moved. Now, if we had done it the next day, does it move faster than two weeks? Probably. We just, Mm -hmm. we just did two weeks. (laughs) And so, and so now when it comes to the enzyme COMT, that phase two, we do find that tends to be a slow Mm -hmm. mover in people. It seems to be affected by a lot of um, external things, chemicals, stressors, things like that. Um, and then it just can sometimes take a while for nutrient status to build back up in people to then shift the cruise ship, you know, down to the pathway it's supposed to go.
0: And that's, of course, tied in back in that biochemical process called methylation, which there's all kinds of stuff going on. There are many, many rate-limiting steps, uh, another call, another day, et cetera. <laughs> that's, a, that's a massive pathway there. Yes. Well, okay, so on this test, you also go through the cortisol metabolites. and. Yes. That is one that's unique. I love that. So so there's metabolized cortisol, there's free cortisol. Unravel that. What does
1: that mean? <laughs> Unravel that. What does that mean? So most people are familiar with free cortisol. So f- anything free is what is active. Free is what goes and binds to receptors and does the things. But what what your body does is your body makes a lot of cortisol, and not all of it gets used. A lot of it's basically just we call it metabolized, but it's like flushed out of the system. And so um, let's pretend a hundred is the number. Your body makes a hundred cortisol molecules in a day, but you only actually have one or two floating around as free and active, and maybe you have ten that are bound up to binding globulins that are like in the waiting wings, you know, like waiting, waiting for when they be need they're needed, and then the all the rest of it, all seventy of the rest of the molecules aren't used or needed. And so they get metabolized out of the system. Mm -hmm. And what makes the metabolites really interesting is they help you just uh, tell more of the story. So Mm -hmm. if you have high metabolized cortisol, then you think to yourself, why would the body make so many molecules of cortisol, right? So Mm -hmm. many hormones, why would it make so many? Well, stress is a big reason, Mm -hmm. infection, inflammation, obesity, uh, Mm -hmm. insulin resistance. And so now I'm like, oh, look, that's, there's your cause. This is what we have to go address, right? Don't suppress cortisol per se. Let's, let's address the cause. Now on the flip side, let's pretend you have really low metabolized cortisol. Why would the body have low metabolized cortisol? Believe it or not, low thyroid, sluggish thyroid is a really big reason. Hmm. So I can sometimes look at the results and go, have you had your thyroid tested in a while? Because it looks like your th- slow thyroid is affecting the way you make and process cortisol. And then they'll go get their thyroid tested or maybe they just had it tested and they're like, you know what? You're right, I'm suboptimal or I'm really not optimal. I need to address my thyroid um, ASAP and then that will in turn affect the cortisol. So having that extra piece of information that metabolize cortisol gives us maybe other routes to look at as practitioners to be like, oh, I was thinking this over here, but this is telling me I need to look here as well. And so it can be really versus you know trying to flip over every single rock, it at least tries to point you to a rock or two that narrows it down.
0: I love that because you know a lot of people um, you know don't really know how to interpret that, and and it's been uh, thankfully to you and your education we've learned well. But this is an incredible uh, ability to get more information yeah. than just your typical you know serum or saliva. I think yeah. that's the key there. Now, when it comes to the concept. Um, of replacement or hormone therapy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, did menopausal women, do they need hormones? And um, potentially this concept of endopausal men, low testosterone, right. do they need testosterone? Can I talk about it?
1: That? So, that, well, if I'll just preface it by saying this is hugely controversial.
0: Uh, yeah, no question. Hugely <laughs> no.
1: controversial. Um, I am in the pro HRT camp mm-hmm. when it's needed and assuming the person has Been worked up for risks so i'm not like oprah winfrey i don't just hand out it you know like you get hrt and you get hrt and you get it no everyone doesn't get a free hrt out of me but i do find the value um for a lot of people if they need it. And remember, hormone replacement therapy is a broad category. If you're mm-hmm. taking thyroid hormone, that is considered hormone replacement therapy. Right, good word. Right? Good word. And maybe you're only needing progesterone, still hormone replacement. Maybe you just need DHEA, still hormone replacement. It's estrogen for women and it's testosterone for men that gets all the controversy.
0: Yep.
1: So with estrogen for women, again, um, you know, I'm careful. I screen, I test, uh, I, I don't just give it to everyone. But, why I'm pro why I'm pro estrogen for women as they get into their menopausal state is because we know and research has shown that estrogen has been so important for our brain health, our bone health, our heart health. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it's cardiovascular disease that it's the number one killer. It's not breast cancer. And I'm not discrediting breast cancer. I'm just saying everyone worries about breast cancer, but yet it's cardiovascular disease. That's the number one killer. We know estradiol has a big role in protecting the heart at a, at a young age, and then as we get to menopause, we sort of lose that part of the ability. Mm-hmm. So I do like estrogen to help protect um, all those aspects. Mood: estrogen plays a huge role in serotonin, right, in our depression and our anxiety. Progesterone plays a big role in our anxiety and our sleep, and so I just I, so I'm pro HRT for the right person. Yes. Now, if you have a lot of risks, you know, if you have a family history, if your, you know, genomics aren't looking so hot, um, if you uh, are a smoker and you're diabetic um, and you're, um, you know, all all the women in your family, unfortunately, you know, God forbid, have died of breast cancer, you're not a good candidate. (laughs) But for for somebody, the average woman who's like, do you like HRT? I do. For the right woman, yes. Now, for men, same goes when it comes to testosterone. Um, with, with men, it's a, it's a little bit different. Cause I find that men in testosterone, um, I see men in their twenties who are on testosterone and it just breaks mm. my heart. I don't know if you see this. Their 20s, no they're
0: twenties. No kidding. 20,
1: so oh. now what I'm seeing are these testosterone clinics that are, um, you know, they're anti aging, they're biohacking and, um, not all of them, but some of them are, and they're very pro testosterone at any age. But what they don't realize is that when you give a man in his twenties testosterone, you suppress his own production, whatever little bit he had, and you suppress his sperm formation. Mm
0: -hmm. So if he's
1: in his twenties or even thirties and he, and he hasn't had children or he plans to have more children, don't put him on testosterone and find the cause, figure out the cause. There are so many reasons that a man in his twenties or thirties may have low testosterone and it does require digging. But I mean, that's what we should be doing as practitioners is finding the cause. Now, as men get older, and, you know, their um, andropause, as you said, is they're losing the ability, they're losing the brain signal either to make it or the cells and the testicles themselves are not making it. Then I do find, right, same thing for the right man, you know, with the right screening, the testosterone can make a world of difference to his brain health and his heart health and his, you know, cardiovascular, excuse me, uh, musculoskeletal um, mm-hmm. health. And so then I'll say, yeah, if we've figured- gone through everything else, let's do it. As opposed to a woman in menopause, you know, women um, gradually lose the ability to make est- uh, estradiol like she was when she was younger. So it's, we, we lose it faster as women for estrogen than men lose it with their
0: testosterone. Yeah. I've said it before, like women fall off a cliff Yeah, men go down a slant. Well, yeah, Is there, you know, I, I, I know our listeners have heard about this, that they're, 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 there's a lot of theories out there that there's a point of time where women are postmenopausal, whether it be seven years, nine years, 10 years. Is there a point of time where the return is not as, as high as it once was potentially?
1: So that's a really great question. Um, there is a um, doctor we have a doctor that works for Dutch who has been just combing through all the literature on HRT hormone replacement therapy. At Dutch, we we don't care if somebody's on HRT or not. Like we could care less. That's not the yep. game we're in. We're in the testing game, not the hormone replacement game. You know. But because we're in the testing game, we want to know what the literature says. And if the literature says it's bad, we want to tell people it's bad. And if yep. the literature says it's good, then great. And if it's neutral, it's neutral. We don't care. We just want to tell people what it says. So um, our researcher, who's been going combing through all the HRT stuff, she says no. That she says. Um, if you start on HRT, that what they find is when, if you stop it, let's say you stop it at like nine years mm-hmm. or 10 years, cause you are, you're tired of taking it, or maybe you're afraid or what have you that you all the, um, risks come back because mm-hmm. you've lost the estrogen. And so you could still have the heart risk. You can still have the brain decline risk. You can still have the bone decline risk
0: mm-hmm. because you've
1: just taken the estrogen away Mm-hmm. After having been on it pretty consistently and the opposite's true. Let's pretend you went through menopause at 50, but now mm-hmm. you're 60 and you're like, I'm having some brain decline yep. and I'm, I'm not feeling so good. I'm not in on my a game anymore. And you know, like what are the, like what is happening to my skin and you know, my bones, she is saying that research is saying that if you don't have screen for risks, but you can go on HRT, there does there isn't, it's better to start HRT close to menopause but if you're outside, if you're past menopause, that it's okay to start it, assuming you don't have the risks, you know, and your practitioner's keeping a tight eye on you. So that's what she says the literature is currently saying. Risks is the the key word, you know, risks is the key word, because if you already have cardiovascular disease, if you already have all sorts of heart issues, then you probably shouldn't just jump on estrogen because estrogen might actually make you worse. But if you don't, And and you're at a a good candidate for it, and you're symptomatic, then it could be a good option for
0: you. I like the way you put that because there is um, a well-known organization organizations that would say things like, and I I won't name them, but say Mm -hmm. things like, use hormones for as short a time as possible and then stop. So you know we've repeated that it makes sense and does confirm that that you know when you stop them, you're going to go right back to where you were. The symptoms are going to return. So. That, yeah. That no,
1: and unraveling. not all women need HRT. I mean, I'm sure you have listeners listening right now going, "Well, I never went on HRT, and my menopause yeah. was fine." Fant- yes, absolutely. And again, you would not be the person I'd put on HRT if you came into my office and said, "Carrie, I feel really pretty good." Yeah, I'd be like, "Great, let's yeah. maintain where you're at, and not you don't need HRT." But if you came into my office and you said I am a hot, chaotic mess. I Mm. can't sleep. My mood is all over the place. I put on 15 pounds. I have no libido. I can't remember anything. I'm making lists. Um, My my lean muscle mass is declining. I'm getting squishier. Then maybe I mean let's address a lot of causes. There are a lot of other reasons for that as well. And let's see if you're also a candidate for HRT because I want your quality of living. Mm. to be amazing. As somebody said to me, women go in, a lot of women are in menopause for a solid one third of their life, Mm. you know, not five years, not 10 years, but they're like, we're menopausal. I mean, if you, if you, if the average woman goes through menopause in her fifties and she lives until her seventies, eighties or nineties, that's 30 or 40 or 50 years post menopausal. So let's make it, it, let's make it our A game, right? Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we've lived that like this. This life that looks like this, this inverted bell curve mm-hmm. thing. You know, that's that's unacceptable. Let's live like this. You know, yeah. like keeping our death process short and our health span increased. Yes, I love like, that
1: graph. Yeah, right. I love that graph. Absolutely. So,
0: let me ask you this: This is you know going back to the um, 4-hydroxyestrone to 4-methoxyestrone mm-hmm. pathway. You know, the the potentially mm-hmm. carcinogenic that could drive to this DNA adduct, which is DNA damage. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that ladies who are perhaps greater at risk, family history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that doing that would be the right way to go. Yeah. As right. in the sense that it might sort of show you there's a there's a, a storm brewing. Yeah. Is am I looking at that right? Is 100%. that
1: 100. Right? Uh-huh. We have a lot of women. We've we have some oncologists that will run Dutch testing um, because they understand that pathway, and maybe they don't maybe they don't fully get all that, you know, the natural, the, her, you know, the herbs and the vitamins that will help make the pathway better, but they understand addicts and they understand that, oh my gosh, let's try to keep them off this pathway. And we have women who are on estrogen replacement therapy and their practitioner says, look, I won't put you on it until we know what this pathway is. Because yeah. why would I put you on it only to push you, just like you said, into a storm, only to push you into higher risk? Like, let's see if we can mitigate this risk as much as possible
0: mm-hmm.
1: while you're on estrogen replacement therapy. Yeah.
0: Well, it seems like to me it would give uh, it would empower people with more mm-hmm. information to give them more confidence, right? Yeah, is isn't that where it is like you've got a good analytic here that you can look at to give confidence insurance that gives you the most uh, best piece of information, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially the women who find out they're going down the wrong pathway. You know, it's a, it's a good, um, I want to say reality check, but I'm like, but I'm like, don't freak out. It's you can do something about it. Like yep. you, this, you were not born this way. you like, this isn't set in stone and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. And it's a death sentence. It's like, you're going down this pathway. Let's change it. Mm-hmm. And you can actively change it. And, and we see it all. The, I mean, all the time for the, we do yep. thousands and thousands and thousands of tests and I see it change all the time. So it's mm-hmm. fantastic
0: so you know with you, you you guys have added a lot to the dutch tests over the years you know you keep rolling stuff out i always appreciate that you you talk about some organic acids in there too kind of mm-hmm. talk about that briefly because i find those very um uh clinically useful so you know talk about yeah. what the organic acids are, I mean, those are kind of the waste products too, but but, talk about why it's important.
1: Yeah. So the, or we chose just a handful of organic acids. We're not looking to be a, an organic acid company by any stretch, but we've picked a few that relate to either hormone, female, male hormones, or to cortisol. So we have a uh, B12 organic acid known as MMA. Now MMA is specifically cobalamin. So everyone knows about methyl, methyl cobalamin. This is adenosyl. Adenosyl is specific for the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. So mitochondria where your hormones start to be produced. And so that's a really good one for people who are feeling a lot of fatigue, a lot of hormone issues, if that's mm-hmm. an issue. So we do a B12 marker. We do two B6 markers because B6, you know, pretty much if it's, if it's not zinc or magnesium, it's B6 that does it in the body. Uh, and then we do a, we do melatonin mm-hmm. uh, because important for sleep, important antioxidant. We do a dopamine metabolite and we do an epinephrine, norepinephrine metabolite. Mm-hmm. So they're not a direct, it's not like we tapped into your brain, you know, your <laughs> cerebrospinal fluid and pulled it out. But it gives us a little indicator of like maybe what's happening with those hormones. And then the last thing we give you is what's called, it's a big fancy word, it's called 8-O-H-D-G. Mm-hmm. And it is increased when you have DNA damage. And so if your DNA ain't happy... Then your 8OHDG goes up and it, unfortunately it's not specific. So I don't know if it's your DNA is unhappy because of chemicals, mm-hmm. because of long-term insomnia, because of medications or because of cancer. But I can tell you when it's high, I'm like, oops, we need to up your antioxidants because your DNA are not doing that well. And so that's a nice marker to have um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons.
0: Now, we want to hear you say that big word, 808, just that big <laughs> yes. word.
1: Yeah, it's 8-hydroxy-2-deoxyguanazine.
0: Love that. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll, we'll say that just in here in the office, just in conversation, so people will think we're smart sometimes. Right,
1: exactly, right. exactly.
0: <laughs> so you're you're a busy person. Um, you know, how can people connect with you uh, and and follow what you're doing? Because you do a, a lot of really cool um uh, teachings on Instagram, which, yep. you know, I appreciate. So t- how can they follow you and how can uh, you become a blessing to them?
1: <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, Instagram is probably my favorite place. So I'm at Jones. Mm-hmm. I, I work for Dutch, but I don't, I'm not trying to, I don't sell anything else. All I do is educate. That's the purpose of my platform. Um, and then on dutchtest.com you are, can watch all our webinars, all our podcasts like this one. Everything is up there for free. So whether you're a practitioner, whether you're a patient, whether you're just somebody who's catching us on the fly and wants to learn more about hormones, we have it all up there for free. You can you can watch and you know learn
0: along. And we'll put those links in the feed, of course. Um, okay. So uh, this is you get a chance to encourage your audience right here. This is your <laughs> this is your window to really leave people with this high hopes here. Uh, so there's people out there now um male and female that are confused about hormones. You've done a terrific job of unraveling that. What would you say to a person out there right now that's confused and say, I, "Okay, I want to do something about this. Can 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 we help them?" Yes.
1: That's the great thing about hormones is that it's um well, the hormones themselves can make you feel overwhelmed. They could be the reason you have overwhelming anxiety or or, or those symptoms. But I think, you know, hormones is one of those things I wish we would have gotten taught at a young age. I wish they would have started. Um, and, at, and I understand that sexual education itself is controversial in a lot of schools. Yeah. But I don't mean sex ed. What I mean is just no, like normal physiology. Like how does the female cycle work? How, does, how, do, how do males make testosterone and, you know, male health? because, and then what can you do about it? What makes it go off track and what can you do to put it on track? And if we just started educating with that, the number of women I have full grown women, full adult women who say to me, I had no idea that's how it worked, or I had no idea that's what ovulation meant. I had no idea what progesterone does in the body, or I have no idea, you know, about, um, like like they understand the fundamentals of how to make a baby. But like when I talk about hormone stuff, they're like, I had no idea. And many will say to me, if I had known, it would have helped me not feel crazy, not feel alone, realize I should have gone and gotten help sooner, realize I should have spoken up for myself and said, this is not normal. Or maybe realize I need a new practitioner because the one I have isn't listening to me. And I know that I can, do things, make changes, have hope when it comes to hormones. And that's really the basis of my whole platform is I really want men and women to just understand the basics of hormones. Because if they're empowered, then they're only going to get healthier and better. They're going to go, oh, okay, I understand that now. Now I'm going to have an even better conversation with my practitioner. Now I can understand my labs better. Now I can understand why I'm eating this thing. And, and then they're only going to get healthier.
0: Well, I love that. So now you understand, ladies and gentlemen, why we wanted to have Carrie Jones on, <laughs> because she's such a great encourager, is such a great educator. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that uh, Dr. Michelle and I, you know, talk about, learn, we've been through your course, and uh, we listen to those uh, audio uh, and and tapes many, many times over and over (laughs) again because we can always learn and we learn from each other. So, um, just really want to thank you for joining us today. It's, it's been a blessing and, uh, been a great encouragement to, to many, many people. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I've and to everyone listening. I've been through their course too. So it's definitely, the feeling is very mutual. So I appreciate
0: it. Well, make sure, uh, you know, anything, um, I'm going to make sure to have it in the feed down here to connect and, uh, Boy, Carrie, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know uh, where you are right now in the, in the United States, there's a lot of um, uh, danger going on with fires and stuff. So we we'll, uh, definitely, listeners, pray for the safety of Portland and the Pacific Northwest, that those fires will go out. I'm serious about that. Pray for rain. Pray,
1: pray for rain. And we're the Northwest.
0: So, uh, and thank you so much and uh, really appreciate this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on another edition of Healthcare's Missing Link. Uh, make sure, as always, I tell you to subscribe to find out what and who is coming up next. Remember to not let those things that are hidden, like not having information, steal your best health. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on the next edition of Healthcare's Missing Link. Bye bye.